listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500 pages of the Mystical City of God by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, and there finding the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you can share your own reflection and insights from today's readings with other followers and listeners. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 173. We are reading from Volume 2. Book 4, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 630-640 to Chapter 23 Jesus, Mary, and Joseph pursue their journey from the city of Gaza to Heliopolis in Egypt. 630 On the third day after our pilgrims had touched Gaza, they departed from the city for Egypt. Soon leaving the inhabited parts of Palestine, they entered the sandy deserts of Bersabe, which they were obliged to traverse for sixty leagues in order to arrive and take their abode in Heliopolis, the present Cairo in Egypt. This journey through the desert consumed a number of days, for the distance they could travel each day was but short, not only on account of the laborious progress over the deep sand, but also on account of the hardships occasioned by the want of shelter. There were many incidents on their way through this solitude, I will mention some of them, from which others can be conjectured, for it is not necessary to relate all of them. In order to understand how much Mary and Joseph and also the infant Jesus suffered on their pilgrimage, it must be remembered that the Almighty permitted His only begotten, with His most holy mother and St. Joseph, to suffer the inconveniences and hardships naturally connected with travel through this desert. And although the Heavenly Lady made no complaints, yet she was much afflicted, which was also true of her most faithful husband. For both of them suffered many personal inconveniences and discomforts, while the mother, in addition thereto, was afflicted still more on account of the sufferings of her son and of St. Joseph, and the latter was deeply grieved not to be able, by his diligence and care, to ease the hardships of the child and his spouse. 631. During all this journey of sixty leagues through the desert, They had no other night shelter than the sky and open air. Moreover, it was in the time of winter, for this journey took place in the month of February, only six days after the purification, as was indicated in the last chapter. In the first night on these sandy plains, they rested at the foot of a small hill, this being the only protection they could find. The Queen of Heaven, with the child in her arms, seated herself on the earth, and with her husband, she ate of the victuals brought with them from Gaza. The Empress of Heaven also nursed the infant Jesus at her breast, 
and he on his part rejoiced, his mother and her husband by his contentment, in order to furnish them with some kind of shelter against the open air. However narrow and humble it might be, St. Joseph formed a sort of tent for the divine word and most holy Mary by means of his cloak and some sticks. During that night, the ten thousand angels, who, full of marvel, assisted these earthly pilgrims in visible human shapes, formed a guard around their king and queen. The great lady perceived that her divine son offered up to the eternal father the hardships and labors both of himself and of Mary and Joseph. In these prayers and in the other acts of his deified soul, the queen joined him for the greater part of the night. The divine infant slept for a short time in her arms, while she continued wakeful and engaged in heavenly colloquies with the Most High and his angels. St. Joseph slept upon the ground, resting his head upon the chest, which contained the clothing and other articles of the baggage. 6.32 On the next day, they pursued their journey, and their little store of fruit and bread was soon exhausted, so that they began to suffer great want and feel the hunger. Although Joseph was more deeply concerned, yet both of them felt this privation very much. On one of the days of their journey, they partook of no sustenance until nine o'clock at night, not having any more even of the coarse and poor food, which until then had sustained them in their hardships and labor. As nature demanded some refreshment after the exertion and weariness of travel, and as there was no way of supplying their want by natural means, the heavenly lady addressed herself to the Most High in these words. Eternal, great, and powerful God, I give thee thanks and bless thee for the magnificent bounty, and also that without my merits, only on account of thy merciful condescension, thou gavest me life and being, and preservest me in it. Though I am but dust and a useless creature, I have not made a proper return for all these benefits. Therefore, how can I ask for myself what I cannot repay? But my Lord and Father, look upon thy only begotten, and grant me what is necessary to sustain my natural life, and also that of my spouse, so that I may serve thy majesty and thy word made flesh for the salvation of men. 6.33 In order that the clamors of the sweetest mother might proceed from yet greater tribulation, the Most High permitted the elements to afflict them more than at other times. And in addition to the sufferings caused by their fatigue, destitution, and hunger, for there arose a storm of wind and rain which harassed and blinded them by its fury. This hardship grieved still more the tender-hearted and loving mother on account of the delicate child, which was not yet fifty days old. Although she tried to cover and protect him as much as possible, yet she could not prevent him from feeling the inclemency of the weather, so that he shed tears and shivered from the cold in the same manner as other children are wont to do. Then the anxious mother, making use of her power as queen and mistress of creatures, commanded the elements not to afflict their creator, but to afford him shelter and refreshment, and wreak their vengeance upon her alone. And as related once before, at the occasion of the birth of Christ, and of the journey to Jerusalem, again the wind immediately moderated and the storm abated, not daring to approach the mother and child. In return for this loving forethought, the infant Jesus commanded his angels to assist his kindest mother and to serve her as a shield against the inclemency of the weather. They immediately complied and constructed a resplendent and beautiful globe round about and over their incarnate God, his mother, and her spouse. In this, they were protected and defended more effectually than all the wealthy and powerful of the world in their palaces and rich garments. 
the same they did several times during the journey through the desert. 634. Nevertheless, they were in want of food, and they were destitute of other things, unprovidable by their own mere human effort. But the Lord allowed them to fall into this need in order that, listening to the acceptable prayers of his spouse, he might make provision also for this by the hands of the angels. They brought them delicious bread and well-seasoned fruits, and moreover a most delicious drink, all of which they administered and served with their own hands. Then all of them together sang hymns of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, who gives food to all creatures at opportune times, in order that the poor may eat and be filled. Psalm 135.25 Whose eyes and hopes are fixed upon his kingly providence and bounty. Of such a kind was the delicate feast, with which the Lord regaled his three exiled wanderers in the desert of Bersambe. For it was the same desert in which Elias, fleeing from Jezebel, was comforted by the hearthcake, brought to him by the angel in order that he might travel to Horeb Mount. Yet neither this bread nor the bread and meat, which once before the ravens had miraculously brought him every morning and even at the torrent of Carath, nor the manna which fell from heaven for the Israelites, although it was called the bread of angels and dropped from heaven, nor the quails which were carried to them by the African winds, nor the cloud tent which overshadowed them, None of all these could be compared to the succor and relief which the Lord afforded to his only begotten, and to his mother, and St. Joseph. For these favors were not to be conferred upon a prophet, or upon an ungrateful and unthinking people. But they were intended for the nourishment and protection of a God incarnate. For his true mother, they were intended for the preservation of the natural life of Christ, on which depended the eternal life of the whole human race. But if this food was worthy of the excellence of those who were invited, so was also the thanksgiving and ingratitude worthy of the blessings conferred. In order that all this might be so much the more opportune, the Lord permitted the necessity to become extreme, and thus naturally call it play, the assistance of heaven. 635. Let the poor rejoice in this example. Let the hungry confide. Let the destitute take new courage. Let none complain of divine providence, no matter how afflicted and needy they may find themselves to be. When has the Lord ever failed him who hoped in his assistance? Psalm 17.31 When has he ever turned away his countenance from his afflicted and needy children? We are brothers of his only Son incarnate, children and heirs of his blessings, and also children of his kindest mother. Why then, ye children of God and of this most holy mother, do you continue to distrust such parents in your poverty? Why do you deprive them of this honor, and yourselves of the privilege of being assisted and sustained by them? Come, come to them with humble confidence, so that they may look upon you with the eyes of parents and listen to your crying needs. The arms of this lady are stretched out toward the poor, and her hands opened for the needy. And you, ye rich of this world, why will you confide so much in your uncertain riches at the imminent danger of losing your faith, of piling up for yourselves heaviest cares and sorrows, as mentioned by the apostle? By your avarice you failed to conduct yourselves as children of God or of his mother. By your actions you make of yourselves spurious offsprings. For legitimate children confide in the care and love of their parents and abhor trusting in others who are not only strangers, but enemies. These truths are manifest to me by the divine light, and charity compels me thus to speak. 636. The Most High Father 
not only provided nourishment for our pilgrims, but also visible relief against the tediousness of this journey and continued solitude. It happened a few times when the Heavenly Lady rested on the ground from her fatigue that as on other occasions a great multitude of birds came flying towards her from the mountains. By the sweetness of their warbling and the variety of their plumage, they sought to entertain and delight her, perching on her shoulders and hands with signs of great joy. The most prudent queen gently received them and invited them to acknowledge their creator by their songs and to be thankful for his having created them so beautiful and arrayed them in their gorgeous plumage, given them the air and the earth for their enjoyment and provided them with daily food and sustenance. The birds responded to her exhortations with joyous movements and sweet warblings, while the loving mother joined them with still more sweet and melodious songs for the infant Jesus, extolling and blessing him and acknowledging him as her God and her Son, and as the author of all these wonders. Also, the holy angels took part in these colloquies so full of sweetness and alternated their offerings of praise with that of the great lady and of these simple birds. All this produced a harmony more perceptible by spirit than by the senses, and of admirable concord for the rational soul. 637. At other times the heavenly princess conversed with the child and said, My love and light of my soul, how can I diminish thy labor? How can I relieve thee of thy hardships? What can I do to lighten the sufferings of this journey? Oh, would that I could carry thee, not in my arms, but in my bosom, and make for thee a soft couch in my heart in order that thou mayest rest there without fatigue. And the sweetest Jesus replied, My beloved mother, very easily do I rest in thy arms while making this journey, and reclining on thy breast. I am delighted by thy affection, and entertained by thy words. Sometimes the son and mother conversed with each other interiorly, and these conversations were so exalted and divine that our words cannot express them. St. Joseph shared in many of these mysteries and consolations, and thus he eased his journey, forgot his hardships, feeling within himself the delight and sweetness of such companionship. Yet he did not hear or perceive what the child said audibly to his mother. For at that time of the life of Jesus, this favor was reserved for her alone, as I have already remarked above. In this manner our exiles proceeded on their way to Egypt. Instruction vouchsafed by the Most Holy Mary, Our Lady. 638. My daughter, just as those who know the Lord also know how to trust in him, and those who do not hope in his goodness and immense love have no perfect knowledge of the majesty of God. On account of want of faith and hope, this love also is deficient, for we readily place our love in whom we have confidence and whom we esteem. In this error lies the source of all the damage done to mortals, for they have such a low conception of the infinite bounty which gave them being and which preserves them, that they fail to place full confidence in their God. Failing in this, they also fail in the love due to him, and they divert it toward the creatures. They esteem in them what they are seeking, namely power, riches, vain honor, and ostentation. Although the faithful can remedy these injurious influences by faith and hope, yet they allow these virtuous to remain dead and unused and debase themselves to the level of worthless creatures. Those who have riches trust in them, and those who have none greedily haste after them. Some procure them by very reprehensible ways and means. Some confide in influential persons, praising and flattering them. And thus it happens that very few seek the Lord in such a way as to deserve his providential care. 
Very few trust in God and acknowledge him as their father, who is willing to provide for his children, who will nourish and sustain them without fail in all necessities. 639. This deceitful error has filled the earth with lovers of the world, has filled it with avarice and concupiscence against the law of the Creator, has made men insane in their desires. For all of them commonly strive after riches and earthly possessions, claiming thereby merely to satisfy their needs, which is only a pretext for hiding their want of interest in higher things. In reality, they lie to themselves abominously, since they are seeking the superfluous, not what is really necessary, but what ministers to worldly pride. If men would confine their desires to what is really necessary, it would be unreasonable to put any confidence in creatures instead of placing it in God alone, who ineffably provides even for the young ravens with no less solicitude than if their crowings were prayers sent up to their Creator for help. Proverbs 28.8 Secure in this confidence, I was not alarmed in my exile and prolonged journey. Since I trust in the Lord, he provided for me in the time of my need. Thou also, my daughter, who art aware of this exalted providence, shouldst not afflict thyself in the time of need, nor neglect thy duties in order to make provision for them, nor confide in human efforts, nor in creatures. After having done what is required of thee, the most efficacious means is to confide in the Lord, without being disturbed or confused. Hope patiently, even when help is somewhat delayed. It will always be at hand at a time when it will do most good, and when the paternal love of the Lord can manifest itself most conveniently and openly. Thus it happened with me and my spouse in the time of our destitution and necessity. 640. Those that do not bear with adversity and do not put up with privations, who turn toward dried-up cisterns, Jeremiah 2.5, Trusting in deceit and in the powerful of this world, those that are not moderate in their desires and greedily covet what is unnecessary for the sustenance of life, those that anxiously cling to what they possess, fearing that it may be diminished and withholding the alms due to the poor, all of them have reasons to dread lest divine providence, showing itself just as nagardly in caring for them as they are in their confidence and in their charities to the poor, deprive them of what they could otherwise easily expect to receive at its hands. But the Father in heaven, who lets the sun rise over the just and the unjust, Matthew 5.45, and lets the rain fall on the good and the bad, nevertheless helps all, giving them life and nourishment. However, just as his blessings are distributed to the good and to the bad, so also it cannot be a rule with God to give greater temporal goods to the good and less to the bad. On the contrary, he prefers that the chosen and predestined ones be poor. James 2.5 Both because they thus gain more merit and reward, and because there are few who know how to use wealth properly, and who can retain it without inordinate greed. Although my most holy son and I had nothing to fear from this danger, yet he wished to furnish this example to men, and to teach them this science through which eternal life comes to them. This concludes our reading today for day number 173. We've been reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 630 to 640. We know about the flight into Egypt, and today we continue to hear about this journey to Egypt, and really the hardships that Our Lady and St. Joseph and the Christ Child experienced. 
Of course, they're traversing through a desert. Imagine those conditions. Maybe you've known something similar. Maybe what we can look at in the spiritual life as similar to this would be doing a walking pilgrimage. Whether you're walking from one point to a shrine, or maybe you're walking the El Camino de Santiago, that as you walk the El Camino, that you endure different types of weather, that you undergo hardships. And I know that even in some of my European travel, especially when I travel by myself, that sometimes, you know, it's difficult to find a place to eat. We heard today that sometimes they wouldn't nourish themselves until nine o'clock in the evening. We heard that they were hungry at times. And so when we make a journey, and for them, they're making a journey really to save the Christ child. But when we make our journey to save our souls through pilgrimage, through prayer, through repentance, well, we experience some of these very same things as they did. And kind of these privations then become a spiritual act that we offer to Almighty God. I found this line worthy for our reflection. None of all these could be compared to the succor and relief which the Lord afforded to his only begotten and to his mother and St. Joseph. Relief which the Lord afforded to his only begotten, who is the Lord, Lord God Almighty. This is the Father coming to the help and relief to his only begotten, Jesus. I think sometimes we often refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of his titles, and rightfully so. We use it, but I just wanted to point out that as we heard it in this reading, and sometimes you might hear it in the prayers or orations at church, as a priest, I'm mindful of the prayers that I pray, like that I say extemporaneously, such as the prayer after the intercessions at Mass, that I often will direct it to Lord God. And I don't want to confuse the people about Jesus. And, and so there is kind of the interchange of using the title Kyrios, Lord, for Almighty, for God the Father, and also for Jesus. I want to bring that to our attention. We heard, I won't go into any length at this, but just pointing it out, reminding us, we heard about the birds again today. What a beautiful relationship Our Lady had with the birds and how the birds sing songs to the Christ child. And then a few days ago, I asked that question about the infant Jesus talking to Mary and what that was like. Was it exterior? Was it interior? And today we Maybe get an answer, possibly. Sometimes the son and mother conversed with each other interiorly, and these conversations were so exalted and divine that our words cannot express them. St. Joseph shared in many of these mysteries and consolations, and thus he eased his journey, forgot his hardship, feeling within himself delight and sweetness of such companionship. Yet he did not hear or perceive what the child said audibly to his mother. So it seems like they're exchanges only for Mary. Sometimes, like we heard, sometimes the son and mother converse with each other interiorly, so kind of in this mode of locution, and not with exterior, but sometimes it was exterior because St. Joseph could not hear them. 
I just wanted to point out that answer that we heard something. I kind of mulled over it. And now here we get some sort of resolution to that question I offered. The instruction of Our Lady was all about trust. And I think we can look at this flight into Egypt and the hardships they endured and to see the great trust that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus had. Trust that God would bring them safely, that God would help them, that God would bring them relief. They had great trust in God. Let us pray for that same trust. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.